Hi, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Women in the Word. I am Shelly Davis, part of the Women in the Word teaching team, and I am so excited to be here for a new year, a new semester, a new study. Um, the book of Second Samuel, I think, is going to challenge all of us, and so it is great to study it with a group of like-minded women. So thank you for being here. Now, I, as many of you uh, probably were, I was with family over the Christmas holidays, and so I was with um, just different uh, groups of my grands, my grandkids, uh, over the holidays, and two of them that I was with uh, really surprised me with what they wanted to watch on TV. We sat down to watch a program together, and they wanted to watch Family Feud. And uh, uh, I thought, oh, I hope that's not predictive or uh, anything. But um, it's been on for years. I used to watch it years ago. It's the, if you're not familiar with Family Feud, it's that game show where two different families compete against each other for prizes. And what they do is they answer questions uh, from surveys in different categories, things like, uh, what are the top five things people do when they lose their job? And so then you have to guess what those five things are and they give points. Or what's the most popular Halloween candy that people give away every year? And the family that gives the most correct answers ends up a winner. And of course, we have a loser. So as we look at 2 Samuel chapter 2 together today, we see the family feud that's going on here together in chapter 2 is not a fun game show. It's not a fun game with a winner and a loser. Everyone stands to lose in this family feud because this is the nation of Israel we're talking about, God's own people fighting amongst themselves to see who is going to lead the nation as Israel's next king. Is it going to be God's chosen king, David, or is it going to be a descendant of the people's choice, Saul? Is it going to be the house of David or the house of Saul? We're also going to get a look at the anatomy of a family feud, how it starts, what fuels that conflict, and the devastating consequences that are brought about by a family feud in hopes that that will give us some wisdom and insight into our own family conflicts, whether it's our immediate family um, or whether it's here in our church family, our spiritual family. So open your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel 2, and we are going to start reading together in verse 1. So after this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to any cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. David said, to which shall I go? And he said to Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, everyone within his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah." 
Now, if we were really playing Family Feud today, I think our first question might be, name a Bible character that humbly depends on God. And I think if we went around the room, we could name a few. We'd name Abraham and Moses and Mary, the mother of Jesus. But today, here in chapter 2, our number one answer is David. Because David has spent the last 15 years running from Saul even though he was God's chosen and anointed king. And now Saul is dead. And you know what most men would do in these circumstances? They would immediately march into all the territory ruled by Saul and claim what is rightfully theirs, the kingship and the kingdom. But David understands that our worldly perspective is not always the Lord's perspective. And what we see here from David is his humility and certainly his dependence on the Lord. He waits rather than simply rushing in to claim his kingship. And as he waits, he wisely doesn't just twiddle his thumbs. As he waits, he goes to the Lord and he asks him his direction and the Lord gives it. And the Lord tells him to go to Hebron. Now Hebron, which is on your map, I think we have it up here for the screen as well. Uh, You have a map in your notebook, but Hebron you'll see is 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it's on a prominent hill in the middle of the territory of Judah. And Judah is of course David's tribal homeland. It's there on the southern part of that map. David has been at Ziklag, and so he is going to go up and go to Hebron in obedience to God's um, instruction. So David takes his two wives, which having more than one wife, I don't know whether you talked about that in your group, we're going to talk about it much more in the weeks to come, but having more than one wife is not God's way of doing things, and it's going to cause David much difficulty in the future, we're going to see. But he takes those two wives, and he takes all of his men that have been serving loyally with him uh, as he's been on the run, and they all go to live in the territory of Judah at Hebron. And when he gets there, the men of the tribe of Judah, David's tribe, they do something important. They acknowledge that they know that David is the Lord's anointed. He is God's chosen king, his choice for Israel. They acknowledge that by anointing him as their king, the king of Judah. Now, I think you read in your homework that this is David's second anointing because he was also anointed 15 years earlier by Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel 16. Look at that with me on your verse sheet. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So David was first anointed by Samuel in Bethlehem. And it's possible that these men of Judah that are anointing him here now in Hebron and acknowledging him as the choice of the king for, uh, as God's choice for king of Israel. It's possible those men had actually been at Bethlehem when he was anointed for the first time because David's family was part of the tribe of 
Judah, and Bethlehem is in Judah's territory. And now the men of Judah, 15 years later, come and anoint David as their king as well. The people of Judah would have had firsthand knowledge of David's first anointing by Samuel and their blessing that anointing by this formal acknowledgement of David's kingship. Let's read a little bit more. Look at the second half of verse 4. When they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. And now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. So the Israelite men who live east of the Jordan River, um, you might look at your map again one more time, uh, in Jabesh Gilead, they had close ties also to the tribe of Benjamin, and the tribe of Benjamin was Saul's uh, tribe. And these men, the men of Jabesh Gilead, who out of loyalty to their king Saul, they retrieved Saul's body where it had been hung on a wall at Beth Shan after he was killed, and the bodies of his son, um, and they buried them. Look back with me at 1 Samuel 31 where we read that. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted for seven days. So David's advisors come and tell him this news that um, the men of uh, the east side of the Jordan River, those Israelite tribes that had close ties to Saul, they have gone and honored Saul and his sons by bringing their bodies back. And what David does here is he shows his incredible diplomatic skills and his leadership skills as he takes the initiative here. He doesn't have to do this, but he reaches out to the men of Jabesh Gilead. Um, He takes special care to express his sorrow to them over Saul's death. And as he does that, he's proving to them that the rumored bad blood between David and Saul was only one-sided. It was only one-sided. Now Saul constantly sought to kill David, um, but David never had a desire to kill Saul. He never wanted to remove him as the Lord's anointed. And he avoided doing that at every chance he had. David's actions and kind words to Saul's loyal followers here prove something very important. It proves that he wants peace and he wants unity with those who have been loyal to Saul. His initial support as a new king had only been from his tribe of Judah there in the southern portion of Israel. But now he shows his heart for all of Israel as he offers comfort and friendship to those tribes who were Saul's loyal followers. 
and his strategy as a new king is actually pretty remarkable. Um, he hasn't been a king very long, but he's always done, already done something very 